I have been shown such great kindness in my life yeah. that I feel it is my joyous and sweet obligation to be kind. Mm. And so in answer to your question, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard in this world to be grateful all the time, to be appreciative, to be kind. And I'll tell you, it's not easy. It's sometimes seen as being like, you're so weird. Mm-hmm. Why are you so nice? It's so weird. I'm not being nice to get something. I'm not being nice to appear like something else. I'm being nice because there are people in the world that really need somebody to be nice to them. Yeah. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. My guest is Reverend Rachel Hollander, and this is part two of our conversation, the sequel. We talk about gratitude, fuckery journals, bypassing what's real and true through toxic mindfulness, what it is to be guilty grateful, and so much more. Come on in. You're in the Trauma Hiders Club. Reverend Rachel Hollander, back in action in the Trauma Hiders Club. Coming in. Oh, so happy to be back in here. <laughs> it's yes, it is the sequel. Part two. Part deux. We can say it in many languages, and it's all amazing. <laughs> I don't know if my French even sounded good. Part deux. Part deux. Yeah. Yeah. So now Trauma Hiders Club, very international. So here we are. And what's so beautiful about having Reverend Rachel Hollander back is the traffic, uh, the amount of listeners for Rachel's first entry into the club was among the highest, most listened to of the podcasts. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So grateful for that. Yeah. Really, really nice. So one of the things, if you did listen to episode eight, and if you haven't go back, if you want, um, and listen, one of the things we ended with in that show was I asked Rachel if she would come back for a part two, because we kind of ran out of time with so much to talk about. So here we are. And I'm sure this will just speak to our people. Yes. 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 Well, it was important. I want, if I can jump in, it was important to do this part 
part two, part deux, because so a friend of my mom's was reading the book and made a comment about, she said, when does, when do we get to the happy part? And I thought that that was so interesting. And so when people ask me about that and I say, well, yeah, about midway through, I figure out what gratitude means. Mm. And that's when some of the pieces start shifting. It's not that there's a sad part and a happy part. It's pretty balanced all the way through. However, this is the piece that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. When gratitude stepped in, I was then able to live with everything. Mm. So prior to us hitting record on this show, (laughs) Reverend Rachel and I were talking about gratitude. And I just want to throw in there that when I hear gratitude, like write it in your gratitude journal or start a gratitude journal, I get this boiling rage and... (laughs) And I go to fuck that, not at first, fuck that. And second is it would be far more cathartic for me to write in my fuckery journal (laughs) than it would in a gratitude journal. Because for me, that's like the glossing over of my hurt, my pain. Like, let's turn that off and go to gratitude. However, when we were talking before we started recording, I am grateful that Reverend Rachel has a different perspective <laughs> than turn your shit off and be happy. Well, and it's interesting. Yeah, the way you put that, the glossing over and the turn your shit off. So there's a term for that. It's called spiritual bypass. Mm-hmm. And that's when somebody comes to you and or somebody comes to me and they you know say you know my dog died and my car is broken and i lost my keys and my i need a new phone and and if i were to say to them you know what it's all good it's all good it's a learning opportunity it's a growth opportunity that is spiritual bypass and that is so toxic i think that's what you're referring to with the it's all good like write it in your gratitude journal. You know, that that's that spiritual bypass where it's, you're not acknowledging the pain of somebody in front of you. You know, somebody comes to you, somebody comes to me and says, you know, I was just diagnosed with cancer. And I say, don't worry, God's got this. Now, that's true. <laughs> that's not what I say right away. The first thing I say is, are you okay? Do you need soup? Mm. What do you need right now? Eventually, through the course of conversations and working together, we'll get to God's got this or spirit's got this or Allah's got this, whatever word works for them. I can't start there because if I start there, that's spiritual bypass where those people are. And I've done it to myself. I've spiritual bypassed with myself. Mm. And we were before we started, we were talking about this. It's the, the concept of being guilty, grateful where it's like, you know, if I slip into a darkness, if I slip into a deep depression and I say to myself, well, you know, there are so many people out there who have it much worse than I do. I should be grateful. That's not gratitude. Right. That's the guilty grateful. That's the people say don't should on yourself. Yeah. That's the shoulding. And it's and that's not helpful either. So for me, gratitude, it comes from a much deeper place. So just so just, you know, in full disclosure, I, I have been keeping gratitude journals since 1996. <laughs> <laughs> I won't judge you. 
<laughs> Thank you. In 1996, I went to a talk here in Cleveland, actually. Uh, Dan Millman, who wrote Way of the Peaceful Warrior, was at the Unity Church on Warrensville when mm -hmm. it was there. And I went to hear him speak. And he said something which comes across rather harsh. However, I got his point. And basically, he said, if you can't think of three things that you're grateful for at the end of the day, you're kind of taking up space. Mm. And I thought, huh, okay, let's start doing that. And so I bought a notebook and every night before bed, I would think of three things I was grateful for. Mm -hmm. And we're talking like the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. It was like socks that fit. Mm. I talk about this a lot, being able to choose the food I eat. Yeah. Um, sleeping in a bed that is mine, that I don't have to share with anyone except mm -hmm. my dog. Mm -hmm. And these things to some people are like, well, those are just little things. Not if you don't have a bed, right. not if you're living with an abuser, yeah. you know, not if you are going to a food pantry and getting what you can get. Right. So nothing is little. There are no little gratitudes. Right. And so I've been doing this every night <laughs> since 1996, where I just come up with three things. And sometimes they're huge, you know, like today the book was published, you know, that's mm -hmm. a big thing. Sometimes it's just had a really great conversation with my mom, mm -hmm. which again, is not little. Right. And seems little. Steamed asparagus. Okay. You know, I'll give that one a pass. Steamed asparagus might be little, although to me, it's amazing. I also won't judge you for that. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so to me, like gratitude is not some surfacey spiritual bypassy thing. I mean, I'm grateful that I'm alive mm. and that I'm still here. My mom and I were just talking about this the other day in we were we were doing our water aerobics. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about my dad, who this September it will be 46 years that he's been gone. Wow. And we were talking about how she said the one thing that that bums her out. I mean, of course, she said he's not here. She said the main thing that bums her out is look at all he missed. Mm. He missed grandchildren. Yeah. He missed all the exciting things that are happening in our lives. He missed growing old with my mom. Mm. He and we laughed because he was a, he loved gadgets. He was always the first to buy the new gadget. And we were like, oh, my God, he would have a brand new iPhone, a brand new iPad, laptop. You know, he would have everything. Personally, I think he's responsible for creating them. Yes. He is the mind of Steve Jobs and Bill right. Gates. However, that was her thing was she was like, he's missing it. Mm. And so gratitude comes from that place of we're still here. We're not missing it. So, yeah, that's where I go with it. Yeah, I hear that. I'm curious if without the awareness that little things are big things, how do you think people suffer or what have you seen? Or if you have been like, I'm, I can't find a fucking thing to be grateful about. What is the cost of a lack of awareness around gratitude? Oh, what is the cost? Oh, I, it, that is such a deep question mm. because the cost is your life. Mm. We've all met people who are literally miserable. They are miserable. There's, they can't find a thing to be grateful for. 
you know, they're the cranky people who are shopping at Heinen's and are bitching about, you don't have my soup. And it's like, seriously, have you seen the soup aisle at Heinen's? First of all, you're at Heinen's. For those of you who don't live locally, Heinen's is a pretty upscale grocery store. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, this is a great example. During the pandemic, Trader Joe's had a 25 person limit in the store. It's a small store here. So we were lined up outside waiting to get in. And some days were cold, it was winter, some days it was raining. Only a couple times did I have to turn to somebody and say, you know you're in line at Trader Joe's, right? How dare you complain mm. about waiting in line to get into Trader Joe's. You don't want to wait in line? Go to Walmart. Right. Go to Giant Eagle. Yeah. Or don't get groceries. But how, like, I, like it was hard for me not to get judgmental because mm. I thought, how dare you? You're waiting to get into a store that is for the privileged. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, it shouldn't be because the prices are really great and I wish everybody shopped there because they're good people. Mm -hmm. However, in the neighborhood where this Trader Joe's is, yes, you're among the privileged. Yes. And you're complaining because you had to wait 15 minutes in a line to mm. get in. How sad. That is yeah. sad to me. It's infuriating and it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings up something for me, which is how to be in a world, right? Where great, you're very aware, you're grateful to be here, right? Yeah. There was there was a pretty good chance you weren't going to be. Yeah. Right. You're grateful to be here. We're grateful that you're here. Yeah. And you have an awareness that the majority, vast majority of people are not tuned into on the deep spiritual level that you are. So what comes up for me is how to be in a world where we're not dicks because we know stuff, right? Right. Right. Like I'm going to try real hard not to be a dick because I have an insight that you don't. And we're not here to teach lessons right. to others. They might, we might embody a thing. So how is it to be in your daily world, right? You just you just shared an experience at Trader Joe's. How is it to be in your daily world with with the uh, with that level of gratitude when those around you don't have it? Another great question. So a few things come to mind, but the, the two things I wrote down. The first is I remember I have a really dear friend. I call her my spiritual companion. When we first started hanging out, she noticed that I used the word kind a lot. Oh, that person was so kind to me. Or, oh, that was such a kindness. And she said, she was, first she was like, why is that important? Mm. And why that word? Hmm. And, I, and I, I don't think that I was really aware that I was choosing it. It was just, it was one of those things where to me, when someone, when someone is kind, sadly, it's noticeable. Mm because we live in a world that is slightly less kind mm -hmm. uh, than it could be. And so like, for example, so another example from the Trader Joe line, I was in the line and it had been, you know, maybe 10 minutes, an elder, an amazing woman who was an elder came up and she saw the line and I could see her kind of waffling mm -hmm. on what she wanted to do. And somebody said, oh, it doesn't take a long time. It's only like 15, 20 minutes. And I was, you know, I, like I said, I was about halfway up 
And I just looked at her and I said, take my spot, mm-hmm. go back to the end. Yeah. Without a question, that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, I don't have anywhere else to be. Right. I'm in line at Trader Joe's. So take my spot. It's against the wall. You can lean. And I went to the end. And when I shared that story with, with another friend, somebody else, they, they, they were like, oh my God, why did you do that? And I was like, because it was <laughs> because it was kind. Right. You know, if I'd been in a hurry, I might have given it a second thought. Mm-hmm. I might have asked, can she cut in? You know, yeah. like I would have made an amendment. But I joke that that I learned early on, I have three karmic tasks in life. I don't know how I figured this out. It came to me. Okay. I need to return shopping carts that are in the in the parking lot, the stray okay. ones, not the ones in the corral, but yeah. by my car or sitting there. It's my job to return the cart, to hold the door, and to say, God bless you when somebody sneezes. Mm. Anybody. I have said, God bless you to strangers, and they've literally turned and been like, thank, thank you? <laughs> I have been shown such great kindness in my life yeah. that I feel it is my joyous and sweet obligation to be kind. Mm-hmm. And so in answer to your question, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard in this world to be grateful all the time, to be appreciative, to be kind. And I'll tell you, still working on the road rage. <laughs> I'm not that kind in my car. Yeah. I'm alone in my car. It's not pretty. <laughs> until I do what I just yelled at somebody for doing like, Oh, nice drive and ran that red light, you know, good job. And then I run a red light and I'm like, Oh, that was me. Okay. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> so yeah. In answer to your question, it's, it's not easy. It's sometimes seen as being like, you're so weird. Mm-hmm. Why are you so nice? It's so weird. I'm not being nice to get something. I'm not being nice to appear like something else and being nice because there are people in the world that really need somebody to be nice to them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even those people who are cranky in the Trader Joe line, even people who have everything they, they need and still, Oh my goodness. All right. Let me, let me give you another example. So you're familiar with our Shaker Heights pool. Yeah. For those who are not, it's an amazing pool. It's huge. There's plenty of lap lanes. The people who work there are lovely, lovely people. And it was closed all last summer. So when they reopened this summer for the pandemic, they reopened with limited usage and reservations. And it was kind of a hassle to get in. And it was a little frustrating. I was so grateful to be able to swim that I didn't care. And I would talk with the lifeguards and I said, are people treating you kindly? Mm. And they're like, no. Right. No. <laughs> There were still people complaining and bitching and being completely miserable about the slightest thing. It's so hard to get a reservation. And why is the, why are you doing it this way? And this, and I want, and it's like, we are so blessed to have this pool. <laughs> right. So again, so the, in answer to your question, it's something, it's very, it can be very frustrating and hard and astounding. Yeah. And it's, The biggest challenge is to not get judgmental about other people. Right. We could. Oh, we could. We could. We could get judgmental. And this is actually something I was talking about with a client today. We were talking about how she could look at a manager in a different way. Mm. And it was interesting because she's coming from 
a very toxic work background into a really kind and gentle, I mean, high stakes, but a kinder, gentler environment. Mm-hmm. And her manager is a kind and gentle sort of slow moving guy. And she's used to like, do the shit, get it right. You suck. Do it again. Create it. Oh. Stay up all night. Create the deck. That sucks. We have to have it by 8 a.m. So, you know, pull an all nighter. Anyway, it, it's different for her to be on the receiving end of somebody who is quieter, gentler, moves slower, is forgiving. So I thought about it as she was working on how to relate to someone who is like this, right? Like, how does she know she's okay or not? If she's not being yelled at, she's not being yelled at or not, or, or a client isn't changing the way they do their product line. Anyway, as she was talking, I saw that her manager as her greatest gift. Yeah. Right. He is an invitation for her to slow down, to be more kind to herself, to not have to behave in in the way that this toxic work environment has been for her, right? Now she gets to slow down. So here was the practice. And this might be a practice for me as I maybe take on gratitude instead of getting pissed off at gratitude. Um, So the practice for her was When you're on a Zoom call, imagine that your manager has angel wings. Oh, I love that. Yeah, right? That's really sweet. Yeah. For us, the the people who are complaining in the Trader Joe's lines, imagine they have angel wings. Yeah. Because they are our gifts, right? Here's the gift. Oh, right. I'm reminded to be kind. I'm reminded to let an older adult take my place in line. I got time and a very warm coat and two legs that are very sturdy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? Like could be a cool practice. It's an excellent choice to make, you know, instead of, you know, getting angry at them. Right. And thinking what terrible people they are. It's like, yeah. Yeah, they're they're struggling. You know, we talked about I think we talked about this in part one, but the the Buddhist uh, pain is inevitable. Mm -hmm. Suffering is optional. Right. And so that idea of that, that someone is suffering, they don't have to suffer. And I get a lot of pushback on that sometimes. However, if you really dissect it, like if you don't spiritual bypass it. Right. (laughs) And take the statement pain is inevitable. Life is going to be difficult and hard at times. Suffering is optional. Yep. So, you know, you take my sister, my sister Anita, for example, who was a working actor and went through two bouts of cancer and had an amputation. Mm -hmm. Her did. has not missed a beat in Mm -hmm. her life. Has not missed a beat. The woman tap dances on an artificial leg better than I do on two. Wow. So she had a choice. Right. In that entire process, she had a choice. She lives with some pretty severe pain 
She also swims and does Tai Chi and does Pilates. You know, it's like I live with a considerable amount of pain due to fibromyalgia and and other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I walk Maddie and I swim because it's like if I sit down and surrender and say the pain wins, then the suffering wins. Right. If I just go, all right, you know, pain is a part of this. Great example. So, so it was recommended to me that I apply for social security disability Mm -hmm. because I'm living with depression and I live with physical pain. Okay. So I thought, well, this is great. You know, a little financial support can't hurt anybody. Right. So I go to do the interviews and I present like this. Uh, by the way, what I see is a shining, beautiful, radiant human who is living with depression. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see that depression part, right? Right. Or pain. Yeah. So I answered all their questions honestly. Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> quickly dismissed and denied mm. because what they wanted to see was somebody curled up in a ball mm. on the floor crying. Um, not walking their dog, Mm. staying on the couch. They wanted, in order for me to get money, financial support, I had to show them that I was a complete wreck Mm. and I was not willing to surrender. Mm. I I mean, I actually said that to the psychiatrist. Yeah. I said, so I'm going to be punished because I've learned how to live. Mm -hmm. Look at that logic. You know, and and I said, and we talked with the physical doctor and and she said, you know, what's your pain level? And I said, well, what's the scale? And she said, you know, one to 10. And I said, it's about a 17. Hmm. And she said, but it doesn't look like that. Uh, And I said, well, would you like me to hobble? Because I could hobble. You know, of course, it doesn't look like that. What kind of quality of life would I have? Right. If I did that. And so bless the people who are curled up in a ball and who are suffering, bless them. And I'm grateful that they're getting financial support. Yes. And I found it fascinating that I was, and I'm putting it in air quotes, punished mm. for not being that bad. Mm. And I, and so pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Right. I choose not to be that way. And so I'm not that way. Right. Right. And not every day is easy. Yesterday, I couldn't get up out of a chair. Mm. (laughs) It was a fascinating moment. I was like, I'm stuck in this chair. And uh, it was a little scary. Hmm. But I took a deep breath and I was like, all right, well, take your time. You don't have to get out of the chair yet. Yeah. Really nice. When it comes to gratitude and the darkness, Mm -hmm. right? The darkness within, whether you're living with depression, whether you are on a healing journey post-trauma, how does, I'm imagining gratitude and darkness. You know, have you ever seen a picture, or maybe people have been there, where there are two bodies of water that meet? Yeah. yeah right? And one is like clear blue and stunning. And the other is murky and muddy and like mucked up like brackish. I don't even think, I don't even think that's brackish water. I think it's just muddy, 
but they stay there. like that's how they are in their natural state. I imagine the darkness and the gratitude looking similar. Yes. So in the Grand Canyon, there's a place called the Great Unconformity. Mm. And it's a place where two ages of stone are connected, but there's an age in between that's missing. Ah. And it's this really powerfully energetic place. And I stood there and I put my hands on it because I felt like sometimes I feel like I'm the great unconformity. Mm. You know, that that I am that place in the water where yeah. it's like, where where does how does this even make sense? Right. How am I this grateful? Somebody asked me yesterday, so how did you get here? How did mm. you get red? Like, what was the moment? And I thought, what was the moment? And I don't know that there was a single pivotal moment. I remember, and this will link back. I'll circle back. All right. And I don't know if we talked about this in the first episode because <laughs> long-term damage. Yeah. Um, when I was in the hospital and I was at probably the worst moment before we went into ECT. Can you just stop for one sec? ECT is? Electroconvulsive therapy shock treatment. So it was before that. Okay. And I was in a really dark place and I felt abandoned by the medical team, mm. except for the nurses. The nurses were great, but I felt abandoned by the medical team. And I'd basically just given up. And one of the nurses sat down with me and she said, bless her, bless her. She said, Rachel, if you ended your life, you would never see another rose again. Mm. And I looked at her crying and said, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have very few regrets in my life. I, I hurt for that moment. Mm. She took it beautifully. Mm. She was lovely and kind and patient mm. and didn't say how selfish and how rude, you know, she didn't go there. She just sat, she just held my hand mm. because she had seen me before this moment be different. Yeah. So she knew that I cared. And to be honest, if she had said Daisy instead of Rose, mm. she might've gotten a different response because <laughs> I do love a good Daisy. <laughs> However, there was nothing in me that was grateful for anything. Mm -hmm. And there were good things in my life. There were people and care yeah. and I was in a safe place and I was being given chances and couldn't muster up an ounce of gratitude. There was just too much darkness and too much pain. And I felt like I was being pulled down by like some anchor or weight deep into the water. And the fact that she just took my hand and sat in the silence with me. Yeah. I look back at that and I think, God bless her. Right. And so I've learned, I learned from that moment mm -hmm. <laughs> that gratitude is is precious and something to be cherished because it's fragile. I mean, you know, people always say, well, what if, so what if something really horrible happened to you? Would you still be grateful? Mm. Well, now I would mm -hmm. before I wouldn't. Right. 
before I felt like God was punishing me for every single thing I did. Mm -hmm. And I, there was no way out and I was deep in the well and there was no rope and there was nothing. Right. Now I know that, okay, people are going to die. Things are going to happen. Right. Maddie's 12. Mm -hmm. Maddie is a dog. You know, things are going to happen. Yeah. That are going to be hard. Mm -hmm. So I need like, Gratitude, like a, like a savings account. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. A reserve of gratitude to be able to say, okay, I need to dip into my reserves because mm-hmm. today is hard. Today is hard. So I think that that metaphor of the two, what, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Me. The great yeah. unconformity makes sense to me. That it's right. Like, how does it play out? I don't know. I just know that it does. <laughs> I know that it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And devastating at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, that's our human experience. The other way I answered when, when the person asked, how did gratitude happen? You know, I had to be honest that my spiritual path is a big part of that. Yeah. My spiritual exploration, Mm -hmm. my relationship with that thing that I call God, don't get tripped up on that. It's not a big man in the sky with a lightning bolt. You know, it's a tree, it's life, it's love, it's got so many names and it's ginormous and it embraces all of us and it's in all of us. For me, the spiritual journey has really helped foster the gratitude and the gratitude has fostered the spiritual journey. So it's like kind of all meshed together. Yeah, really, really nice. Reverend Rachel, I am curious what what are you most excited about right now? Yeah, <laughs> there's some really cool things happening. By the time this airs, this will already have happened. However, I've been, my, my book and I have been included in a special event at a local bookstore called Author Alley, where I get to sit and sell my books and talk about my book. Nice. I'm talking with people about doing events and talks and book readings. I need to give a shout out to this place because it's amazing and I hope it's okay to do that. Sure. There's an agency out in Middlefield called Hopewell and it's a 300 acre farm expanse, mm. residential for folks living with mental health issues and mental illness. They live there, they get clinical care, there's art therapy, there's farm therapy, there's pond, there's grass, there's music, there's all kinds of things going on there. And through a, through a lovely friend who gave my book to the clinical director and admissions director, I was able to go out and visit with them and talk about the possibility of my, of my doing something with them. Ah, that's wonderful. So exciting. It's so beautiful and it's so exciting. And like the first, one of the first things the 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 clinical director said, you know, he said, I have to ask you a tough question. And I said, yes, I'll volunteer because <laughs> I knew what was coming. You know, we don't have the budget we're getting yeah. grants we're doing that. I said, oh, no, 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 no. If you can pay me, that's great. That's not why I'm doing this. Mm. I will be happy to come out and do whatever you want just because, because this would be the kind of place that I would have dreamed to have been in. Yeah. You know, right. Loved to have been taken in there. Right. And they're doing great things. And um, 
And so, so we're talking about possibilities. Yeah. Am I doing stuff with them, which is super duper exciting. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's just like, there's little bits and pieces happening. Every time somebody I don't know buys the book from the website, I'm like, oh, somebody I don't know just bought the book. Yay. You know? Right. <laughs> Thrilling to me. Uh, somebody found me. Isn't that cool? It is wonderful. The feedback that I've gotten from my doing this podcast, the first episode with you, was phenomenal. People are like, who is this woman? And what, you know, and then I sent people to you because I'm like, these are people you should talk to. Right, right. It's an exciting time. Yeah, really nice. I love what you're putting out into the world mm. as you come from a place of gratitude. And really what I want to acknowledge is that you've opened me up to less rage. Yay! <laughs> less rage when I hear it. More angel wings. More angel wings. To be applied. And um, to notice my own at the same time. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You awesome. know what one of my top gratitudes is right now? Hmm. I have found the absolute perfect underwear. Oh. <laughs> and for the women listening out there, you know what I'm talking about. Like <laughs> finding something to wear that is like that fits and it's yeah. comfy and I don't have to worry about it. And beautiful. Blessing. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. All right. Well, here's to underwear and gratitude. You get it all in the Trauma Hiders Club. That's right. It's all in here. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Well, Reverend Rachel, I want to thank you for coming back for round two on the international tour of Trauma Hiders <laughs> Club. And as always, it's a pleasure. And who knows? Wait a little while and we might have round three that I don't know how to say. For toi. Toi. There <laughs> you go. Yes, there it is. It's been great having you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.